Hello, welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Nordics region to discuss industry passion, challenges and ideas. I'm Josh Asquith and I help businesses to connect with top tech freelance talent. And today, I'm your host. Today, I'm joined by Hans from InstaB, John from MPYA and Miles from Acast. I'd like to ask you guys to go around the room and tell us a little bit about yourselves. Hans, would you like to go first? Um, yeah, so my name is Hans Sandstrom, and I'm an engineering manager at Instabox Budby. Uh, and uh, yeah, uh, on my free time, I'm married, we have a dog, and uh, I, I uh, really enjoy coffee. Awesome. And what dog have you got? Uh, a golden retriever. White oh, no. Classic. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Nothing beats the classics. No. Uh, Miles. Yep. Hi, uh, I'm Miles. I'm also an engineering manager. I work at Acast currently. We're a podcasting advertisement company. I I've been living in Stockholm for seven years. I'm originally from Sydney, Australia. Um, I've been working in tech for seven years. Uh, I've been an engineering manager since the start of last year. So I guess leadership's kind of that's something I've inspired aspired to for a few years, but only worked in professionally for a bit over a year now. Um, I, I like. What? I like climbing in my spare time, uh, and I, I value creative stuff, so painting. I like oil painting and music as well. So cool. I wish I couldn't only ask one question, but what brought you to Stockholm? Uh, it's a long story, but the short version is I, I wanted a hobby when I was in university in Sydney, and I, I, studied, I, I liked German in school, so I googled what the easiest language to learn is if you speak English, and it said Swedish is pretty similar because it's got like the same base language, and it's kind of easy. So I started taking lessons. I liked the Swedish people I met, and I just came here. Wow, that's pretty cool, John. Yeah, I am John. Uh, John Nilsson. I am a consultant, but also an engineering manager. Uh, I'm working at Empire Digital since about a month, but I've been an engineering manager for five, six years, and have a long background as an engineer before that. And I live with my family uh, with two young daughters, two and a half and four months. Uh, uh, two and a half years and four months and yeah they take up basically all of my free time these days <laughs> but wow. when I do get uh, some spare minute and the seasonal aisles I try to do cross-country skiing okay uh, that's a that's a pretty different hobby and cross-country skiing is that like a full day event or can you just go for an hour or how does that work I think both are balanced uh, and try to, as, as I, if we actually go to the mountains and uh, actually do the trip, I, I try to go for like half day uh, skis and then rest in the sun in the afternoon, have a beer and hang out with friends and family. Cool. Well, thank you guys for kind of letting me get to know you a little bit. I wish I'd met you all before. Um, so you all, are, I've got so many questions for all of you, but we don't have time. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, and Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data, product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So, who truths and a lie? Um, Hans, I believe that you are an experienced podcaster, Gemma tells me. So I'm going to 
lean on you to go first with your two truths and a lie for us. Oh, right. I must admit, I already sort of went out a bit early there with the dog. That was a lie, actually. <laughs> so I, I sort of overshot that a bit. Uh, that's when I thought you asked the follow-up question. No, I'm so excited. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, no, unfortunately, no dog. Uh, but all right. Uh, then, so I'm pretty blank on that one, I must admit now. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, we'll come back to you. We'll do you last then. Uh, All right, John. John, give us your two truths and a lie. Oh my God, I, I've actually never played this one either. Uh, I hope to make them up on the fly. Go miles first, and and I'll make it up. Stressed. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. But I, when I, when I moved to Sweden initially, I, I did stand up comedy for for about two years here. That was really nice. Um, I I went back to Australia this year, but I. Before that, I hadn't been back in six years home. This was the first trip this year was back home. And yeah, yeah I, I, I studied write, uh, drawing, like pencil drawing in university. I did a few courses and that's kind of where I've led to with oil painting now. Good luck, guys. Oh, <laughs> they're all so believable. Yeah, they are. Early summer. John, go on. Give us your, give us your answer. Which one's the um, line? Uh... I mean, it's not the oil painting, right? Since you, you already, I, I it's got to be the stand-up comedy. I can't believe it. I shouldn't say yet, should I? Well, I, I guess you kind of just did. <laughs> no, 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 okay, well, it wasn't that. It was the oil Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Yes? Yeah, yeah, no. I didn't, oh, I, my God. I didn't study, I You're just, too good. I just painted my set on <laughs> Ah. That was genius level um, creativity. Yeah, really mm-hmm. Uh which one of you guys is ready to go next? I can go. What? So uh, I am. Uh, I like to play music a lot uh, on a few guitars. Um, Stratocaster, almost uh, my favorites. And then I'm a hunter and also a diver. Ooh, okay. Mm, I'd guess. I'd guess hunter is the lie. Well, I I went for the same. Yeah, musician. I'm not, and everybody should be very happy about that. <laughs> I do love music, though. Most of my friends are, but they wouldn't let me near their instruments. Where everybody's better fit. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, John. <laughs> okay. Um, so I too am a musician. I used to play in a rock band, and we 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 did some rock with uh, yeah, instrumental vibes to it, and. Uh, I'm also, uh, uh, geez, I lost the one I was going to say. My brain froze. Uh, yeah, but then I'm also, uh, I, I used to be a video gamer and I've gamed a lot all throughout my years, but I just stopped when I became a parent uh, and I haven't touched uh, a video game since. Uh, and I've basically done uh, everything in engineering except mobile that's a lot of things i mean i guess i'll say the third one i mean i don't know how you can have done everything any guesses hans no it's too hard <laughs> go on john you're right mice I, I haven't done everything I've, and what i've done the most is actually mobile <laughs> ah. <laughs> fair enough um so are you guys all clear on what's going to happen ready to get going ready to get rocking Yep, ready. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Have you all got the document and the chat visible? Yep, I do. Yep. Yeah. And I have to steal this game from you, Joshua. <laughs> really? Yeah, really I will too. 
Sounds good. Good fun, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, you're more than welcome to the game. And before we start, please can I just check that I am pronouncing your names as correctly as I can. I appreciate that us English are really ignorant when it comes to pronouncing anybody's names that isn't very English. So I've got uh, John Nilsson, Miles Tufts, and Hans Sandstrom. Yep, I might introduce myself as Jon, but it's quite fine that you talk to me as John. Okay. Yeah, I will. I I don't want to. I don't want to do it a disservice, so I'll pronounce it as John. You can pronounce yeah. it as how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Brilliant. That's that's Thank how you. we usually do it around me. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, thank you guys. So I'll just do the little um, evolution Nordics introduction, and then I will ask you guys to introduce yourselves. I'm going to go Miles, Hans, John. Okay. Brilliant. Great. Okay. Starting that. Hello, welcome to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast. We're bringing together the best technical leaders from across the Nordics region to discuss industry passions, challenges, ideas. I'm Josh. I connect businesses with talented tech freelancers in the Swedish market. Today, I'm joined by Miles Tufts, Hans Sandström, and John Nilsson. Today, we are discussing the, the role of creating healthy habits in a work-life balance. And I'm just going to go hand it over to the guys to introduce themselves. So, Good. guys, when I... When you introduce yourselves, just give us your name, what you do, and one of your passions. Okay, I'll start. Um, hi, I'm Miles Tufts. I work at ACOST. I'm an engineering manager. Uh, in terms of work, I think my passion is making sure people enjoy coming to work every day. That's kind of what I've been about since I started. Uh, I, I've been. I'm from Australia originally. I've been living in Sweden for seven years now, uh, working in tech the whole time. Awesome. Hans? Yeah, all right, right. My name is Hans Sandström. I work for Instabox uh, Budby, or Instabee, as we're called. Uh, I'm also an engineering manager, and my uh, passion is, uh, outside work then, is uh, skiing. And at work, it's basically making myself redundant and building strong teams, so I can ski more. <laughs> cool. John? Hi, I am Jon Nilsson. Uh, I am an engineering manager and a consultant at Empire Digital. Uh, I also love skiing, though cross-country skiing. Uh, I have a family which occupies probably the most of my free time these days. Thank you very much. Now that we have a good understanding of who everybody is, let's kick off with the topics. As per usual on this podcast, what I'm going to ask you to do is, guys, I'm going to ask you to introduce the context behind your questions, introduce the questions, and then we will discuss it between the panel. So the first question we have is brought to us by John. John, do you want to tell us what your question is about and ask the question to the panel? Uh, yeah. So all too often, I find that the organizations that I see and have worked for, uh, they talk a lot about work balance and they say it's appreciated. It's one thing that I find lacking is people in senior positions, leadership positions, actually leading by example, uh, actually checking out at five o'clock, taking vacation, uh, not talking about how they they worked the night before and and i think it's something that would really be beneficial as you know healthy work habits it creates for a much better work environment but also better results in my opinion so leading you know by example that is so so crucial so do you have any experience in this Hans and Miles, how has it worked in your previous organizations? And do you lead by example? First of all, I think it's a very, very good question. Uh, but I mean, as far as I see it, I think uh, it's hard uh, because you also want to serve and make sure that people are, are happy. And a lot of times that means that the time, if you have a lot of uh, 
interviews perhaps or uh, one-to-ones or retrospectives that you hold with different teams the only time to sort of reply to uh to these things and emails and stuff that sort of come without um without plan basically is to do this after hours uh so one way to uh, to like to handle this that i see is trying to schedule these emails to be sent in the morning instead at scattered hours uh like at nine or something so it doesn't look like you work uh, so late. And then I think it's also very, very important, as you say, to uh, to delegate uh, vacation things. Uh, when you actually go on vacation, uh, if you or I were a colleague, John, uh, it could be that I cover for you and your teams when uh, when yeah, you're not around and um, vice versa. So, But I agree. I think, and then I think we'd start with upper management as well. That's harder for us to, to get into, but we can only do our share, I think. Yeah, I, I also agree. I, I think it's a great question. Luckily for me, like personally, I'm I'm pretty lazy by default, and I'm not super willing to give more of my life to my employer than I've signed away. Like it just it's not not worth my time. But not everyone is like that, and that that's where it's kind of tricky. Especially when like Corona began, I had a few colleagues like their office being in their home was very it was a difficult thing to learn for them to actually check out. And I think kind of important here that. Yeah, not everyone's the same, but I think I think as a leader, helping people to sort of figure out what they value and and then sort of giving people a nudge and g- g- letting people challenge what they value is is probably an important thing. I mean, having sort of yeah, I think I think it's kind of when we're all young, we the world kind of tells us that 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 money and rising to the top and having having kids and getting a better car and a better house is kind of the thing. That's just kind of the passive narrative. It's not like I don't think it's anyone's fault necessarily. It's just kind of what shows us this is important. But I think getting people to think as a leader about what is actually important, and that's not necessarily like your outside of your outside of work life is super important. And work doesn't mean anything. It's also thinking about what what do you value at work and what do you want to do with your time. But yeah, st- stressing and reiterating that no one should be working forty hours because it is a broken sort of system. Once someone starts working forty hours, it kind of in- or more than forty, it kind of encourages everyone else to wo- work overtime as well. It puts a bit of stress on everyone to be delivering at such a level that's not sustainable. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think there's like there's some built-in KPI into all of us, like that there's more uh, hours per employee good in some way. But I don't think that's the case. Uh, like we we want our lives and our work to to go together, but also like well uh, rested employees perform the tasks much better. And so I, I, I find it kind of counterintuitive. And I also fall for this narrative, like want to show that like I'm ready to, you know, ship in what it matters and do the hard work while that is perhaps not always the best thing to do. And so I think that especially as leaders is like extra important for us to do kind of the hard thing to, to, to encourage each other and like our employees and yeah the people around us that hey you know you don't need to be up all night like you were last night it's awesome that you did it but like take the day off tomorrow or something like it to 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 make to 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 acknowledge to everybody around that no this is not the only way to do it i think i think you have to give people permission to to not work in a sense i mean without like shaming anyone for overworking like i don't i I, it's it's a difficult conversation to have when someone is working overtime because it's you manage your own time if you want to work nights and you say that you didn't work the morning today and so you want to do that okay but i still don't want you working overtime i don't think it's sustainable mm-hmm. i don't want to shame anyone because some people might their, their natural routine might just be they they love work they're super conscientious and they just want to get a lot done but yeah true 
I think it comes back to the reward system as well, because we, a company, tend to reward its uh, employees uh, with, uh, you know, who's the best performer in this and this area. So it has to connect back to that as well. And I mean, one way to to look at this is because uh, I'm really into sports. And if you see, like, look at uh, an ice hockey goal, you're making a perfect save. And it can sometimes look really dull and it can all sometimes look like, wow, this is a highlight real thing. But if you have a team that's just doing these boring saves all the time, nothing gets exciting. I think that's really what you want to achieve. Now, you want to achieve that, like, at a high level, you don't want to achieve that. That sort of the low, low non-league games. You want to achieve this at the like the upper levels, of course. But you don't. You can't keep making these saves because that's not good for anyone. And an equivalent of a save here would be pulling an all-nighter or working, you know, for a weekend or whatever. Because then you'd never have time to actually do the things that matter. So I, I mean, I look at it as a warning signal, but it comes back to the reward thing, just as you mentioned, Miles, with the with the. You can't punish people for doing it because that would all be wrong also. Uh, I, I absolutely agree, but I so much agree with what you said, Hans, on like how we reward behaviors. Like typically those would be the things that would be recognized at an all hands. Like this team, they worked all night for the past month. They were our heroes. Like, and that kind of sets the standard. You never talk about this team. Like they worked. 35 hours every week for the past two weeks and they smashed their goals. That's not what you're talking about. Like that that's just, you know, passes under the radar. Awesome. Thank you guys. So we have another question and this question is posed to us by Hans. Hans, would you please do us the honor of introducing your question? and why you've asked the question. Yeah, so my question is uh, sort of uh, very short. It's the use of the word no and uh, dare to use it. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't dare to say no, and that's what gets uh, them in trouble. Uh, say that you talk with a, with a stakeholder, a, a very, very important stakeholder, uh, putting out the demand, you have to build this, and the team says, let's do it, and they fix it by like pulling all-nighters, whatever, and they achieve it. Now it's going to be very hard uh, for the, like the people in charge then to understand why I would sort of need to increase the team by two more developers when we can already achieve things uh with the, with the people we are this is just one example i think it comes out to small things as well uh but dare to say no is such such a key thing in making sure that you can be yourself in a team and be happy in a team and put up boundaries i think yeah i've got a i've got a pretty i mean i've got a current example that, that's kind of that, they're very relevant to this so so we're we're kind of we're, we're a new team merged from two other teams on, on my current team and yeah, those teams have current stakeholders, but this new team has has a different goal and a new goal, and a lot of that entails putting products into maintenance mode and 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 communicating with stakeholders that like understand this. But right now, we're focusing on this goal because this has been identified as the most important thing to work on. Uh, and, and and so yeah, we've been a sort of for the past month a team with a lot more input than we have output, and it's been stressing, and we've sort of grinded to a crawl, and we're not moving and not getting much done at all. And and then yeah, what can we do from there? Well, we can't just keep going with stakeholders saying things. We need to we need to communicate to stakeholders that like understand that like what you're saying is important, is very important to your job, and it's also very important to our job. And and, and yeah, all the input we're getting is important, but from what we've been told from the business, what we're working on now, which is yeah, self-serve, uh, self-serve ad buying in this example, that's the most important thing right here. And 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 we have to, we only have 40, 40 hours of teamwork every week. We need to prioritize one thing. And so, yeah, putting it, I, I think that's one good thing as well about having like 
very clear goals for your team that everyone on the team understands is it's easy to say no. It's very easy to say no when you can, you can, you don't have to be rude about it. You can just simply say like the thing you're asking us to do versus this, uh, this is clearly worth more value to the business, or hopefully you can, you've got metrics that you can show that it's clearly worth more value to the business. But yeah, I don't think, I don't think in like earlier in my career, maybe I wouldn't have done that. I would have just dealt with the stress and accepted the stakeholders that they're important people with important needs in the business and let's try to fulfill everyone's needs and be a nice person about it. But I think you can be nice and say no. And I think I also very much agree. It's so important to be able to say no. And I think a very vital skill to be successful when you say no is to say why you're saying no and like what you're intending to do instead. Uh, or this is how much I know we can achieve instead of what you're asking for. Because this is typically how quick we are moving that we believe will be by here, by that time. And to start a conversation and build an understanding of the team and, you know, the, the capacity you have to deliver rather than just say, no, can't do that. Like if I were a business stakeholder with no understanding about how engineering works, like I would be, you know, not happy about that too. So to, to start that dialogue and the understanding between, you know, stakeholders and implementing team, I think that's so crucial for the ability to say no and, you know, have a happy collaboration between different functions. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think your goals being linked back. So there's a common language as well to use with stakeholders from like your goals have to be sort of contributing to the same bottom line or the same metrics so that your goals and their goals both make sense in the same conversation. <laughs> Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think that's uh, good. Uh, so I'm really good input there on, on uh, my first question. I uh, took the liberty to add another one. Uh, and I think that this one is equally important to me. And it's uh, why self-care is, uh, is very, very important and not selfish, but rather the opposite. Because if you work with a team over time with others, uh, um, with the pressure that uh, usually put to uh, up to in, in a tech world, uh, taking care of yourself and making sure that you're happy and uh, your your needs are fulfilled is very important. So, if you don't allow yourself to, you know, go to that yoga class or uh, you know do this thing, take take your vacation when you want to, because that's what you need. You're gonna really struggle. You're gonna at some point hit a hit a line, and you gotta ask yourself one day, is, is this worth it? And you're gonna maybe leave a team, or uh, the others on the team could be very very unhappy that because you're not you're in a foul mood all the time. So, I think uh, I would like to talk about this why, why self care is so important, and uh, it's not a selfish thing. And how you how you guys look at that? Basically, it's not a, really a question, but it's more like something that I think is, is very important to to talk about. I mean, I used to have a colleague who used to say. Uh, like when vacation approaches, I'm so tunnel visioned. Like I can only face the week that's ahead of me, the tasks ahead of me. But when I come back from vacation, like I'm so visionary, like I'm full of energy. I can be creative. I have, you know, the energy to do everything with my team. And I think that's something we want from ourselves and our leaders every day uh, so i think like self-care in that sense is so important because it's essentially enables us to do the job that we are trying to do so, so i think it's such an important topic Hans, and uh, like it's something i think we should do all the time and encourage others i, I think it ties back a little bit to, to to the question i had with like leading by example uh that uh yeah doing do do taking care of yourself it, it enables you to actually it's it's not only about work-life balance i think but it's actually about being productive during the time you're actually at work yeah 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I was really excited when I saw this question because I feel like it's not often, I mean, I don't talk about self or maybe I do, but I don't explicitly talk about self-care with my team very often. But I do think before you can care for others, you need to be able to care for yourself. And I mean, that goes for leaders and non-leaders. I think you, as a developer on a team, you want to care for your teammates. You want to take care of them. But in order to care for them, you need to really be in a good mindset yourself. And that's easiest when you're caring for yourself. Um, I think I think as nice as you said, needs, because that, that, that can be tricky. I, I think I've had a, another job where like I feel like I didn't really communicate my needs and I kind of just quit the job and my exit interview. I didn't really say very much. I just like, ah, it's just, I don't really get it here. It doesn't all really working. And I, and I always felt kind of bad about that. Just like, I did, that's not who I want to be. I don't want to be someone who, who doesn't communicate my needs even when they're difficult and and because because it is hard to know the difference between needs and wants sometimes but i think i think kind of yeah talking openly i, th- I mean I, re- I really value retrospectives i think it's one of like the rituals that is like maybe the only necessary one i think everything else kind of flexible like you you do what's best for the team but the retrospective is the way you, you kind of improve as the team and i and i think i've always been someone to be very open in a retrospective and, and when i'm like yeah when i when i'm stressed when i'm feeling worried and anxious about something communicate with the team because this is my needs and this is i we, we, we may need to change something and if we change something things could be better and i may not be stressed or anxious anymore i think it's a good way to lead yeah and tying back to the first as well leading by example doing that encourages other people to feel the same that like if your need if my needs can get met your needs can also get met and and that can all work and we can be a much more successful team because of it yeah super i think it's also important to understand that and like the needs of different people are different and they're different over like the span of a of a a lifetime obviously so and learning to communicate that early on is as important as you know when when you join a team that you see that this is a practice, especially for young developers, because uh, it's, it's often talk about like senior developers are so so good at this and that. But I think one of the things that, that I really uh, think yeah, really senior developer is good at is they can just say, "All right, now uh, I need to to run away. I have this thing in the afternoon, and they just check out." You know, I think that's you wouldn't dare to do that as a more junior, where perhaps you would need it more because. It tends to be a much steeper learning curve until you're able to absorb all this information coming at you. You need to have that uh, uh, sort of ability, and I think that takes time to to learn. And we as leaders can encourage that. And I think, uh, like, I'm going to be a little bit opposite to what I said in my leading by example thing, but I think it's also like creating the environment around you where people do take care of themselves and do not work over time. Like if you encourage people like to take time off, it's going to be more okay for your, yourself to do the same. So, you know, get curious and like, how do the people you work with, how, what, what do they do to, to feel all right, to stress off uh, and encourage those behaviors? Uh, I think that's gonna come back to, to, to reflect on your ability to do the same. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. And Miles, could you please tell us your what your question is and why you've brought it to the panel? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so a few years ago, I think I I used to be pretty anti-planning. Like I, I used to think like planning super rigid. You're thinking too far in advance. But but I don't know. A few years ago, I started planning a lot smarter and sort of planning that works for me, like not planning too far into the future, for example, and planning planning more important things. I, and like one example I have that a friend mentioned that I, I talked to him and told him that I do this and he said, that's a really good idea. It's like planning to think about things later. Like I write memos for tomorrow to think about this thing. And like, I 
I've had it like I'm on the bike ride home. I've had a good thought that's like, yeah, the team has too much input and the output's suffering. I'm not going to do, my, I mean, I'm biking. I'm not going to be doing my work now. But even if I was like sitting at home, I'm not going to do the work now. I'm just going to set a reminder for myself to do it later. And that's, yeah, I kind of want to talk about using using planning as a means of of not overworking and working smarter in that as well. But yeah, I don't know. Does anyone have, anyone have an example of the relevant yeah i think uh it's a it's a very uh, very good topic and i think that the planning is uh supported because it allows you to focus um i mean what you do uh, what you talked about i think it's, it's very like something that people don't think about enough it's it's that planning of your own activities it's so far focused on the team's activities but uh it starts with with everyone on the team being able to do this so i think um having this discussion with the team is probably a very very good idea um, sometimes it's easy to take this for granted uh, with the sort of the ability to, to plan your own day. Uh, and uh, one of the things I do to, to actively encourage uh, uh, teams to to be able to plan is to try to put to the meetings in the morning so they can have their uh, free time to do actual work in the afternoon, which allows them to plan their day and uh, feel a bit more confident. So that's one of the things I try to do uh not always achieving, but I try to do it because uh, that would allow a team to then actively think about how they plan their days and allow them to have least focus time. Yeah, I think that's, we, I did this on a previous team and I think it's important. Like development work isn't done in one hour blocks with context switching. It's done in, in, in long slogs for the most part. And like, yeah, after lunch, having the whole afternoon free is how you are productive. I think it's a great change to make on any team yeah i think you're absolutely right like i think planning is vital to be productive uh especially as we have so many tasks to pick and choose from we could be doing so many things at all the time so so at some points if i don't have a plan i tend on doing five minutes here then i forget what i'm doing and then start something new so i i'm not very structured in my nature i've forced myself to really you know do some planning exercises I set up daily goals and weekly goals. Uh, I plan a, ro- a lot around my calendar. I schedule thinking time and you know execution time and meeting time. Uh, and then sometimes I don't always stick to the plan. Then I can evaluate like was it worth it, uh, which is fine. Uh, but it's a good way for for me to make sure that I'm not procrastinating or just you know struggling between different tasks. I'm like. On procrastination for me like a trick that always always works like if you know putting it in the, in the calendar is not enough like tell the world that you're going to do it then you can't you can't just you know not do it you have to say like if you t- said it at stand up and the weekly like i'm going to do this on wednesday you you better do it so like that that's my trick to get things done mm. yeah i, I kind of see or one one good engineering manager I had in the past when I was a developer, I felt like he he really kept the team accountable. And I feel like it's it's a thing that an engineering manager probably should do is like keep the team accountable. If we talk about something in a meeting, or we're going to action on it. We're going to bring it up again and ask, are we going to action on this? Like, don't let ideas slip between the cracks. And yeah, and as you say, like uh, yeah, there's lots of times when I, I have like a, a reminder, and I just it's a reminder for Tuesday. I guess to Tuesday, I just put it to Wednesday and then push it to Thursday. And then it just like, okay, I should probably get rid of this or do something about it. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, nice. But following up on things, I think that's crucial. Like if you actually want to get something done, like it's follow up, talk about it. Uh, and you don't have to, you know, insinuate blame, but evaluate why it didn't happen and like what we should do to make it happen next time. 
also, if you, if you have a plan, I think, um, or like to, to help people have a plan and, and uh, make sure that it works, it uh, also ties in with this thing of daring to say no. So you can say, no, I'm planning to work on this because I've been told this is the most important thing uh, and this this something I need to get done. Uh, and then it would be harder for anyone outside to, to come and sort of break that plan because you, you are already telling someone that you have something that you're planning to do. If you don't have a plan, it's way easier to be influenced by others. Uh, and it's not like if you if you just do things, it's not like uh, and just wait to set the plan until you have all the information. The whole world around you won't stop. People will start to like, continue to do things on the side, even if you would like it or not. But if you have a plan, at least you have broken it down into, this is how I'm going to approach it, and a bit of a divide and conquer uh, thing. And it allows you to also see your own progress over time, which is, I think, really, really good. And as we're talking about... Uh, healthy habits here. I think it's also super important to schedule a little bit of idle time. You know, that can be allocated for the short thing that comes up. Because if you, you know, plan 100% of your week and somebody asks you something on Slack, either you're going to do it between meetings when you need your break or, you know, in the evenings. So, like, I try to keep, you know, maybe two half an hour slots every day open where right? I can just do those things that pop up during the day. I've seen a lot of leaders, like senior leaders, well. I think the more senior you get, kind of, it looks like the more full your calendar gets. And especially like an international company where you work with people from the UK, people from from America. I've seen, seen like a lot of leaders work with, they schedule meetings in their lunch break, like one hour, I'm taking lunch here. And if you book something over, I'm taking lunch here, like in I think that's good. I mean, I've always done that. Just take, and I don't uh, negotiate on my my on lunch. Taking out, I'm not eating for an hour. I'm also relaxing. I think it's important. I think yeah, that's very important. And you owe that to the people that you will have meetings with in the afternoon. Say that you have a day of a lot of one to ones and maybe heavy discussions. If you sort of go about that without having the time to reflect and digest what you've heard, uh, I think it's gonna be the people you talk to in the afternoon are going to suffer and you'll struggle to actually execute on the things you promised to people maybe that you met in the um, before lunch. So I've, it's it's key to to be able to take those and also let your, your mind wander. Kind of a small thing that did you described before, John, that's like when people had so much energy coming back from vacation. I sometimes feel a mini version of that coming back from lunch, especially if these days we have lunch with, with your colleagues uh, out, in, uh, out in the sun. It's such a nice thing uh, to recharge that mini recharge can make the afternoon much more enjoyable i think and that that shows yeah i think there's a famous like neuroscientist influencer at the moment and and i think he's 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 promoting a method of like learning things where you you do something for 15 minutes and then you take 10 minutes and you just you just lie and meditate and it, it, it lets you absorb the ideas a lot quicker <laughs> and but I, I when you said like yeah you got back to back one-on-ones i was told from a from a a friend that you you, need, you should need to do your if you've got like a day of one on ones you need to do your employees a favor and 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 make time before or after probably before each one on one to to think what what's what am I going to this one on one with like what 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 should the intention be here because one on ones aren't a lot of time often like thirty minutes maybe it's not a lot of time and you you do want to be intentional with that time and I think you do owe it to that person to to give it your your best effort so I think I think taking a break before even fifteen minutes is, is is a good way to structure your calendar. Yeah, I I very much agree on that one-on-one topic. Like, uh, it's probably where it consumes the most of my energy as uh, an engineering manager. It's having those uh, one-on-ones, and it's like the most important part of my week. 
So I definitely, you know, want to take time digesting what the person I've been talking to has said and prepare for, you know, whatever's next. So I, I can't go back to back between one and one. So I think it's a super important habit. Thank you, guys. I have found that personally fascinating and I'm sure that the listeners have. And on the back of it, I have a question. Now, in the in the sphere of creating healthy habits and having a work-life balance, I think it was Mike Tyson that was famously quoted for saying, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. So how do you guys plan for the punches in the face, the business emergencies? Or if you can't plan for them, how are they best assimilated when you're still trying to maintain a healthy work-life balance? Yeah, I think that's a very, yeah, go ahead. I think, uh, I think my suggestion there with uh, having a little bit of slack time every day and every week is super important to be able to react. Uh, but I think also being an agile organization who is able to drop things when more important things come up is super important there. So like being honest to somebody and saying like, yes, we said that we would work on your feature this week and the next one. But however, this thing came up and it's so much more important than yours. Don't you agree? Yeah, we're going to work on that either way. Now, you know, uh, so I think like being able to have that straight communication and an organization that is able to, you know, reprioritize is super important for, for you know, being able to adapt when something happens. Yeah, I think that's that's very true. Having Slack is, is key. Uh, I mean, you can't plan for for uh, for any. I mean, it's needed to work forty hours. Uh, you can't plan for all those forty hours to be to be done on coding. You can't do, take say that you have like thirty hours that are actually coding, uh, where you sit focused and code, which is a lot. But let's say that. Then I'd say like maybe uh, thirty of those would go into to executing on the plan and and. Uh, Ten of them to to assist others or help help with efforts because there will always be things and then you can always like find the right amount of slack to have for a team because it differs a lot between what you're doing and your team is responsible for. But I, I'd also like to add that it's very very important to uh, to try to to see what sort of the blast radius of of uh, of sort of like something that happens would be. It's not always the case that you should, you should always like elevate everything to general tech channel or whatever that 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 channel is called incident channel or whatever uh one of my colleagues he used to work with incidents a lot of his previous company and he's he's really good at uh, how and i've given me these thoughts on how to focus on identifying what is actually uh, an outage or what's just a blimp and if it's just a blimp that you can did you have a workaround for there is no need to sort of stop the current plan and say that it's more important so having the PM help with some of these, I identifying a few cases, and uh, some sometimes the team can recover so the PM isn't aware, depending on the on the situation, if it's technical or product, and uh, making sure that that like everyone is confident and uh, uh, enough to to uh, to make these calls. And at the end of the day, it's always too important to remember the prime directive that at any given time or point, people always try to do their best when evaluating the situation afterwards. You know, when when you say like punched in the face, I definitely think of so like, yeah, a, a, a major outage, a, da- a database is down, an a, a crucial API is slowed, or like a, a deadline is dropped on you, and like the company is meeting with VCs next week, and we need to show something really impressive. So you need to do this product in two weeks, in one week. I think I, I personally see like, I mean, like I, I know I did the Swedish driver's license recently, and, and there was one question in the theory test that was like. A little bit of stress is actually beneficial to, to human beings' performance. 
and, and I think I think as long as there's a little stress, and I, and I say a little, I guess it depends what headspace you're in at the time and like where you're feeling. But I, I think if you're if you're feeling good, a week or two of, of high pressure, not I mean not necessarily overworking, but like sometimes it's nice. Like when you when you're working on a critical issue, it's six seven o'clock on Saturday Friday, and, and you're here. And, and I think you you can also sort of count those and and then take a day off once the incident's sort of done, and just say that with the team. And I think you know most. If you've got a psychologically safe workplace, that should be a, a fine thing to do. But but I do think, and, and, and yeah, and I added, but then I think if this stress is dragging on for more than a week or two, and it's just high stress, high pressure, punching the face the whole time, you need to pull a, a full stop. You need to you need to you need to stop. You can say we can't work like this. This is not sustainable. That, that's kind of my yeah, take. I feel like sometimes there is a place to to be in a high, in a stress environment for for a short period of time, and I think you can. Have have a high quality results of, of it. I I agree with you, Miles. Uh, and I would love to work in an organization where that could have happen. Though I'm afraid I've never seen that actually work in practice, where we can have you know short bursts that are very infrequent. Uh, because like as I've seen them turn out in practice, it's like oh great, we can drop bombs into the organizations and people will scramble to do it. Uh, that's at least at least my experience. It might have worked better at other places that I've been. Yeah. Uh, but but I I avoid uh, you know please doing like crunch weeks and uh, as you know as far as it goes. I go work you know and I do the time if it really matters. Uh, but but yeah, think like inviting for for too long periods of you know we should make this feature happen. I I think it's, in in my experience it's that dangerous precedence for, for continuing that as well not saying that it can't work yeah no yeah it's something to keep in mind i think we had a situation like maybe two or three years ago well yeah we, we got continuous curveballs in the team every retro was just like i mean it was just the worst like we're just complaining like this the company does not give a fuck about us kind of thing that doesn't yeah it didn't it wasn't fun to be a part of and and i but i think it's pushing those messages up the chain and hoping that the chain like the that you you give your mess your engineering manager takes that to their manager and, and and says like this is not working like we need a solution here and that they they take it seriously and take it so much you have I guess you have to hope that that's the sort of company you're working with but yeah not always awesome before we end the podcast I'd like to say thanks so much to all of our guests for sharing their thoughts in today's conversation once again our guests on today's podcast have been Hans from InstaB, John from MPYA and Miles from Acast if you're hiring for new technical roles or if you're looking for a new role feel free to get in touch with us at Evolution. Or, if you, or anyone you know, would like to be featured on a future podcast, drop me a message. I'm Josh Asquith, and you can find me on LinkedIn, or email me at joshua.asquith, that's A-S-Q-U-I-T-H, at evolution-nordics.com. Or visit us at evolutionjobs.com forward slash S-E. Thanks again to all of our guests, and thank you for listening. We hope you can join us next time.